Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to Sunday evening worship here. We're so glad you and your family are able to join us here for Sunday night church. I want to go ahead and invite you to go ahead and pull out your Bible. We are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. We're studying the book of Acts. Acts is such a powerful book of the Bible. It's so uh, applicable to, to today, what Paul was dealing with from doing ministry, from meeting opposition, from seeing the gospel just advance during persecution. There's lots of persecution today, and certainly the gospel is continuing to advance. Tonight is Mother's Day. It's May 10th, I and mean, we are rolling right along. Uh, hopefully, um, you had a chance to talk to your mother, get takeout for her, spend some time with, with your mom and your grandmother, if she's still with us. But I do, I want to take, this, uh, take the privilege to pray for our mothers right now. Being a mother is a blessing from the Lord. Having children is an honor. It's uh, a privilege to be able to pick up the phone and to call your mother as well as spend time with her with that. But uh, probably my mother now in Alabama might be even watching this tonight. Who knows? But I do. I want to pray for our mamas right now. So uh, you go ahead and bow your head and let's let's pray that our mothers stay safe, that our, we're thankful for our mothers and not that, that we honor our mothers. Remember what the Bible says. Honor your father and your mother. So Mother's Day is an opportunity for us as believers to show that honor. So let's bow our heads and pray for our mothers. God, we want to give honor to our mothers right now. We thank you for the gift of motherhood. We thank you that we have an example in Scripture of all sorts of women. Hannah, Mary, who raised Sarah, Rebecca, who raised their children in the Lord. Lord, I pray for the mothers today that are in unusual circumstances with the coronavirus, that maybe they didn't get to have their afternoon meal as a family. Lord, we pray for our mothers that they are faithful to you, that they are Proverbs 31 mothers that are honorable. Lord, we pray that we, as sons and daughters, will always honor our mother. Lord, we know you honored your mother, Mary. You never were disrespectful to your mother. We, ne we never want to be do the same. I pray tonight that we will just remember that, that you have... Uh, gifted mothers, and we t never take for granted the one who brought us into this world. Lord, I just thank you for my mother. Thank you that I had a godly mother who raised me in the Lord and brought me up in church and pray that the other folks show their same appreciation as well. Jesus, we give you our mothers tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thank you for praying for our mothers tonight, having that opportunity to pray. And uh, I hope you are certainly also diligent in uh, showing respect and honor to your mother. All right, if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull it out. We are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to look at 12 verses this evening. 
And we're so glad you're able to join us. I want to thank you for your continued faithfulness here to our church. God is blessing Broadway Baptist Church in this quarantine season. You can give online. You can mail in your offering. You can be faithful to the Lord with your finances, even while you're continuing to remain, I guess, um, at home, uh, staying um, dis socially distanced from other folks. It won't be long so we'll be opening up church soon. Our governor has says, Governor Andy Bashir has told us that we can resume having church service, in-person services, on Wednesday, May 20th. So that'll be a Wednesday night. That means the first Sunday will be on the 24th. So stay tuned. Be following on our emails, our social media accounts, and be listening. Continue listening to about the details. We'll, we'll be uh, making sure our church is uh, cleaned making sure we have uh, personal protective equipment for folks provided so that you can certainly feel safe when you come here and worship. So I'm uh, uh, very much looking forward to seeing actually people in the pews uh, very soon. All right, open your Bibles, Acts chapter 20. I've got up here the map, third missionary journey. So here we are in... Asia, as well as over here is Greece. Paul has taken three missionary journeys, and he's on his last one. And what we're about to see right here is Paul, he's going to be going back through this region right here. This is called Macedonia. That's what we call nor northern Greece in current day. And down here is called Achaia, and this is where Corinth and Athens are. And Paul is going to spend some time. He planted these churches. In fact, the church here in Philippi, what we've been going through on Sunday mornings, this was the very first church in Europe. This is Greece. So what happened is um, when you cross over right here, you, uh, um, he sailed from uh, Troas into uh, Macedonia, and that's when the gospel went into Europe. So that's what we're going to be following. These will be the cities here, Thessalonica, Macedonia, Achaia, Athens, Corinth. Uh, these will all be the cities that we're going to be talking about tonight, looking at that in the scriptures with that. Uh, you, we, we always read about Ephesus. Ephesus is where we just left off. It's right here. So Paul is leaving Ephesus. He's going to go up through here to Troas. And um, this is where a young man is going to, Troas is going to come to life. It's the second time through Troas. And then he'll sail back into Macedonia. So um, this, remember, this is called Asia Minor over here. And this is Europe. So the dividing line is about right there. And that's in current day Istanbul is where, in Turkey, where Europe, the continent of Europe, breaks away from Asia. All right, enough of our map information here. Acts chapter 20, verse 1. After the uproar is over, the uproar was in Ephesus. Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, he departed to go to Macedonia. So Paul is about to go here. He's going over. He's going to cross that Aegean Sea. He's going in to Europe. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece. So he's now back in Europe. He's already, he remember he planted churches in Greece, and he's returned there. And notice one of the things he's doing. He's going back to the churches that he had been to providing and offering them encouragement. One of, 
Paul's ministries was he was an encourager. He would go there and plant and begin a new work, and then he would come back later, follow up, and encourage them in the Lord. And that's why we see a lot of these letters. You know, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Many of them were just uh, books of encouragement, encouraging them, books of correction as well, like the book of First and Second Corinthians, but encouraging them to continue to being faithful in the Lord. And it says while he was there in Greece, he stayed for three months. So this is down in Athens. This is down in that southern regions down there. And while he's down in Greece, he, um, um, he was there. Now, well, I want to tell you what happened in these three months. We know from Romans chapter 15 and Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Paul, while he was in Greece, while he was in Corinth, while he was in those churches he started, he wrote his most famous book of all. What book was that? That is the book of Romans. It was written during the third missionary journey while he was there in Corinth in Greece at this point. So what, what, remember, what does Paul want to do? What he's hoping to do is he's hoping to go back to Jerusalem, go back to the Christians there at kind of the home base and bring them a free will offering. The regions here that we're talking about in Europe and in Asia Minor, they're a little more wealthy there's a, because it's under the Roman Empire than the region around Jerusalem. So he's collecting an offering, and his long-term goal is to go back to Jerusalem and give them that offering. But it says there, he stays there three months, and the Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria. So obviously a boat was going back to Syria. Syria is just north of Israel. That would have been where Antioch was, where, where he always would leave from his missionary uh, basis. Uh, so the boat is headed up maybe to Antioch, and he wants to go there. And what's he running into? Um, uh, he finds out there's a plot against his life. So it was probably a pilgrim ship of Jews, and they, they're about to set sail. And what's occurring is... He knew if he was going to get on that boat, what was going to happen was they were going to kill him. A lot of the Jews did not like Paul. Paul would go into their synagogue. He knew the scriptures better than they did. He knew the word of God. And the best way to end this man's teaching is to kill him. So naturally, when you're out on the open seas and you want to kill someone, I guess that would be a good place to throw him overboard. Jonah knows a lot about that. Paul actually was shipwrecked, and he will soon be shipwrecked, we'll see. But uh, so here, uh, here the plot is against Paul. This is not by any means the first time there's been a plot against Paul. He regularly has plots against him. And it says there, he was accompanied. Well, first of all, before he, okay, in verse, going back to verse 3, if we go back one verse here. He stayed there three months. The Jews are plotting against him when he was about to set sail for Syria. So here, what does he do? It's very important. So he decided to go back through Macedonia. So what Paul did at the last moment, before he's about to board that ship that's about to sail, he says, you know, I wanted to make a detour. Instead of hopping on this boat here and sailing for Jerusalem, I'm going to go back up through Macedonia. Meaning he went up north to like Philippi and Thessalonica, 
up in that region, and he's going to board a ship at a different port. So he took time, and he, and he did that. So by God's wisdom of allowing him to be knowledgeable that he needs to be cautious and careful, he certainly, he certainly changed, changed course. Verse 4, he was accompanied by Sopater, son of Phyrus from Berea, Archelaus and Sedusus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychus, and Tromephus from the province of Asia. And what's neat about this is, I want to tell you, so these are hard Bible names to pronounce. They are. Do you know why this is important? Paul has been discipling and building a team. He has been getting young support coming along. So Paul's not traveling by himself. Each day he's going along, he's got these young men who he's pouring life and ministry into. Next Bible verse up here, verse 5. These men went on ahead and waited for him in Troas. Now, Troas is back in Asia Minor. It's in Turkey. So they went ahead and hopped on the boat, and they sailed across the Aegean Sea, and they're waiting on Paul. Verse 6. But we sailed away from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. That's right there after a Passover. In five days, we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. So what's happening is they are right there in Troas, they're at the place where Paul received the Macedonian call. They're at the place there, a seaport town where um, Paul had planted churches. He's there encouraging the brothers. And he, he certainly, um, um, he's continuing, wanting to hop on his mission. And he's, he, he wants to uh, head on down to Jerusalem. But here in Troas, something's going to happen. So, that's where our next event is going to occur. But I tell you, Chris, if you don't mind putting our slide up again of where we're talking about, because I want you to see where I'm talking about. I'm using this word Troas because something significant is going to happen here in Troas. We are right here. Troas is an important city because it is in Troas because we know from a couple of chapters earlier where God was spoke, had a vision to Paul that he should go over to Macedonia, go to Europe. So the European call to go and bring the gospel to the West came right here. But also right there, a great miracle is about to occur. Paul is going to raise someone from the dead. Seven people in the Bible are raised from the dead. In fact, before we read it, Chris, let's go ahead and look at our seven people who are raised from the dead because the seventh one the last one is what we're about to read about right here. Number one is Elijah. Now, I'm going to name the seven people. And yes, Jesus was raised from the dead, of course. But he's not in this list because him and God raised him from the dead. But these are people that were raised by the dead from others instead of being raised by dead. So if you add in Jesus, there's eight people in the Bible who were raised from the dead. This excludes Jesus.
9. The Shemunites woman's son. This was quite a story here. This young man, he passed away. He was out with his father working in the field and he, his head started hurting. He went back and then he died in his mother's lap. And what happened, the woman was barren. She had no children. God gave her the gift of motherhood. And her son then later on dies. And she was very sad. But I want to tell you why Elisha raised this young man from the dead. Because this woman was very gracious to Elisha. She even built a little upstairs room for him. At her so when he came through the city there in Shemumite, he would stay at her house. Well, her son died. Well, when her son died, they went and summoned Elisha. And Elisha went there and actually laid on top of the son. And God breathed life. And Elisha prayed for the son. And he came back to life. Those are the two people in the Old Testament who were raised from the dead. So let's move on to the New Testament. Number three, Jesus raised three people from the dead. We know in Mark chapter five, there was a man named Jairus who's a synagogue leader. Jairus had a 12-year-old daughter. 12-year-old daughter died. Jesus shows up and says, the daughter's not dead, she's asleep. He walks up there and they all laugh at him. He ran everybody out of the room. Jesus took the little girl by the hand, told her to get up, and she got up. She came back to life. Number two, Jesus went to a, or the fourth person here, Jesus went to a funeral, or was passing by a funeral. And a poor lady, she was now a widow, and her son died, which is just tragic. Because she had then, not only did she not have a husband, she didn't even have a son to take care of her. And there was a little town called Nain. Jesus touched the coffin. Said, son, get up. The boy sits up. And Jesus gave the boy back to his mother. Jesus interrupted that funeral. That's the second. And then the most famous of all happened with Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And he stood outside the tomb. Lazarus had been dead for four days. He was come out and called him out. Lazarus come out. Man comes out of the tomb with a mummy. That was the most dramatic of all. Could you imagine being in a cemetery with Jesus and he calls the people out? Lazarus come out and here comes, here comes the man out, out of the tomb. In the book of Acts, two people are raised from the dead. The first one, Peter. Peter raised a lady named Dorcas. Dorcas had taken care. She was caring for uh, Peter. She got sick and she died. Peter prayed for her and God breathed life back in Dorcas. She returned to life. That was in Acts 9. And then we're about to read here about Eucalyptus. Paul raised this young man from the dead. And that's the story we're about to see. So of the seven people that were raised from the dead, here is one of them right here. Two of them occurred in the book of Acts that we're going through on Sunday night. So it's exciting in Scripture. I want to tell you why it's exciting to see people raised from the dead. Because you and I, if you are a believer, if you love Jesus, if you've accepted Him as your Savior, the resurrection applies to us. We will die. 
and we will be resurrected. We won't be resurrected here on this earth. We will be resurrected and go to heaven to be with Jesus. When you die, that is not the end. We experience the resurrection just like Jesus was resurrected. Now, these seven people here, they all died and they all came back to life on earth. We don't get to come back to life on earth. We come back to life in heaven with that. So I want you to read along. So I wanted to give you that background information there on those, those who have been resurrected. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, do you know when that is? Just like today. Today is the first day of the week. It's Sunday. We assembled to break bread. You know, it's the first place in the New Testament where we see the disciples were meeting on the first day of the week. Worship occurred. What that means, they assembled to break bread. The Lord's Supper. We're not taking the Lord's Supper right now because of the coronavirus. Hopefully, this fall, when things uh, settle down a little bit, we'll be able to have the Lord's Supper. Uh, but when they would meet, there on the Lord's Day on Sunday, they would observe the Lord's Supper. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Well, it's church service now, about an hour. I guess online church service like this, what, about 30, 40 minutes? In Bible times, Paul preached from dinner. They had the Lord's Supper. They remember the Lord. And he's going on all the way to midnight. And I want to tell you, one of the reasons why he's going to midnight is because it says he's about to leave. So what's occurring here, he knows, hey, I, I'm here in Troas. I had the Macedonian call. I started the churches here. I led a lot of these people, Lord, I baptized them. And now I'm about to leave. So I want to maximize every single minute I have. So it's a lengthy church service. It'd be like, a revival service that's occurring. So he's preaching on, he's going on and on and on. And look what happens at this church service. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where they were assembled. And a young man named Euclid was sitting on a windowsill. And he sat into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. Euclid is sitting on a windowsill just like this. Paul is right there. He's teaching. It's going late into the night. And it'd be very easy. It's very warm with all the lights around there. There's tons of other people. So everybody's breathing. Everyone's around. And you're just listening. Remember, it's the first day of the week. So what's happened is you've worked all day. And now you want to hear Paul because he's leaving the next morning. And you're just listening. And you're listening. And you're listening, and the next thing you know, you doze off, and he falls three stories to his death. So that's what, that's what happened there in that story. Just like this, this young man who wanted to hear Paul, who knew Paul was leaving the next morning. It's very warm, it's packed. We have a tragedy that has occurred at the worship service. And what's powerful about this is Paul's response. So we've just fallen out of the window. Look at verse 9. And a young man named Euclid was sitting on a windowsill and he sank into a deep sleep. He kind of, he dozed off there. 
as Paul kept on talking, when he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. That's just tragic. I mean, Paul would be horrified by thinking, gosh, I was up there teaching and I was talking and this young man uh, fell and he died. But look what God's going to do a miracle here. Look at, look at verse 10. But Paul went down and he bent over him and he embraced him. So he basically picked him up. He says, don't be alarmed because he's alive. So immediately what happened here was this young man who was dead, picked up dead. Paul goes there and touches him, embraces him, and God brings him back to life. In verse 11, it says, But after going upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, look at this, they're continuing, they're reserving the Lord's Supper. Paul talked a long time until dawn. Then he left. So he talked. Basically, what happened? He knew he was about to board the ship in the morning. So he basically going to teach and take advantage of every single opportunity he can, could with these believers. Because he knows, hey, I, I, I'm not going to be here. I'm about, to, I'm about to get out of here. Look at last verse, verse 12. They brought the boy home, look at this, alive and were greatly comforted. Euclid could say he fell asleep at church. Euclid is the first person to die and come back to life while attending a church service. And he did that because the sermon just continued to go on and on. And his parents were very comforted by that. Now, what's powerful about this and the reason why this is so important is because we see some biblical principles being shaped here about Christian worship. And a couple of things pop out of this story here at Troas. This is a Christian worship service. And we put them up here on the screen. And I think I, I really want you to get these as the takeaways. Because this is the principle. Because this is the first time that we see in the New Testament that the believers are meeting the first day of the week. So our first thing we see here, the disciples met on the Lord's Day. When is the Lord's Day? The Lord's Day is Sunday. What is the Lord's Day? The Lord's Day is the day that Jesus Christ came back to life. The resurrection occurred on a Sunday. Sunday morning, the women show up at the tomb, and the tomb is empty. Jesus is gone. An angel sitting there. So what happens? Every single Sunday that you meet, even here on Mother's Day, even on Sunday night, that you meet, we're meeting to worship on the Lord's Day. You know, Easter is exciting. One day is Easter, we celebrate. But actually, every single Sunday is a remembrance of Easter. So, if you had to ask, when do Christians meet? They should meet on Sunday. That's the most important day, because that's the Lord's Day. Number two, look at the event that occurred at the worship service. They observed the Lord's Supper. It says here that they had the, the supper. They, they broke bread together. They, they stopped and remembered what happened. The Lord's Supper was an evening dinner. 
Jesus' final meal, he picked up the bread and he says, Men, this is my body. The Lord's Supper is something we see. And it reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus gave his body for you and I. Jesus is who we're saved by. He stepped out of heaven. He's manna. He picked up the wine. He says, drink. Do this in remembrance of me. It represented his blood. He said, this is my blood. It's poured out the sins of many. Jesus poured out his blood on the cross so we can be saved. So when we gather together, obviously we're not taking the Lord's Supper now because of the coronavirus. So when, when one day when we would have it again, we get to do something that Jesus commanded us to do. We do from, from Christian history. That's what the Lord's Supper does. It's a We do it in Christian worship this one, the early worship service here in Troas, they're observing the Lord's Supper. What's interesting about this service, too, it's a nighttime service. Do you enjoy Sunday night church? Do you enjoy Wednesday night Bible study? You know, these folks worked all day on Sunday. That was a work, a work day for them. The Sabbath was Saturday. And then they came to worship on Sunday evening. They wanted to spend that day remembering the Lord. The last thing that we see that happened, and this is what killed the young man, Euclid. Preachers love to talk about this, but Paul preached a long sermon. It wasn't a sermonette. It wasn't a little 15-second, 30-second video clip. Paul spent hours diving into God's Word. Paul was teaching the Scriptures. When you come to church, the centrality of church and worship is based around this book. If you go to a worship service and there's not the public reading of Scripture, if the minister, the pastor, isn't up there saying, Thus saith the Lord, Here's what God wants you to know. We read the scripture. This is, what, this is what expository preaching is. You read the scripture. I share the context of the scripture. Like this is what's going on in this passage here in Acts chapter 20. And then we take that context from 2,000 years ago in this place called Troas. This is an exposition right here. This is what I want you to get from it. This is what God wants you to know. Christian worship involves the Lord's Day. It involves the Lord's Supper. And it involves a sermon. In this case, a lengthy sermon. And we apply it in our lives. So then, here we are in the year 2020. And we want to apply God's Word. We read, read God's Word, we look at the context of God's Word, and then we make it applicable for today for to God's Word. So when you walk out of here one day, or when you tune out of this broadcast, you will know 
That is what God has for me. And a lengthy sermon, many hours. Now, I want you to explain, I want you to know the reason why it was probably many hours back then on this one time is because Paul knew he was leaving the next morning. The ship was sailing away. Paul wanted to maximize biblical teaching. All the Christians wanted to gather around the man who was the greatest missionary in the history of Christianity. And they thought, we, we don't want to miss this opportunity. You, so they stayed up all night with Paul. And Paul stayed up all night because he knew when he boarded the ship that morning, he could just slip on the ship. He's got a while to go to get to Jerusalem, get, to, uh, get back to Assyria. But there it is. You want to know what Christian worship service is? We see here in Troas a model for us today. So when you think about worship, we need to see the importance of attending church and worshiping on Sunday, of observing the Lord's Supper, and really the centrality of, of the message of expository preaching. Paul is explaining the scriptures. You should be praying for your pastor weekly as he explains and expounds the scriptures. You should be, if he tells you in advance, if you're on my weekly email list, I email out the scripture so you know what you can read ahead, knowing we're studying the word of God. Even right now here, what we're going through. Exp going through exposition is going through books of the Bible so that you're getting the whole counsel of God. Right now, Sunday mornings, we're going through Philippians. Sunday nights, we're going through the book of Acts. Wednesday nights, we're going through the gospel of Mark. We are using this period. Last month, we read through Proverbs. We are using this period as a church to be diligent in studying God's Word. And I want you to see this isn't something we just do because it's a routine. We do because God told us to do it. And listen, if Paul's doing it, and God can verify it, that's true, because even Euclid fell asleep at church and he died when he fell out of a three-story window, and Paul brought him back to life. That young disciple experienced a miracle at that nighttime church service. I want to tell you this. When is the last time you worshipped? You were in a church service that lasted to midnight. I, I've been in one. I was in a lengthy service one time. It was a watch night service. And we had a bunch of different teachers stand up there and preach and teach God's word all the way past midnight, bringing in the new year, studying the Bible. And I think for us, we need to see that if you're really going to be diligent in knowing your Bible and growing closer to the Lord, it takes hours and hours of listening and learning. Do you know, one of the things we see is public worship should be an encouragement. You should be encouraged. Paul came to these churches and he encouraged them. He taught them the scriptures so that they can grow and know the Lord. Being an encourager is a spiritual gift. Book of Romans tells us to encourage one another. Paul 
tells us that when he would go to these churches, he would encourage them. If you read the letters like Philippians, he would wish them well, tell them to continue doing what they're doing, correct them where there needed to be correction, but just keep pushing them forward in their faith. During this quarantine season, God wants you to use the gift of encouragement. You can encourage other people. You can pray for other people. You can write notes of blessing to other people. And I want you to answer that question. Who have you encouraged? Paul here has been a great encouragement to this church in Troas. They have now learned the word of God. They've experienced and witnessed healing right there at that worship service. And they now have instruction on how they can be a blessing to other people. Today's Mother's Day. Have you encouraged your mother? Have you spoke to your grandmother? Being a son or daughter, and we all are, of course, obviously, we can encourage the woman who most of her life has been encouraging us. Mothers, are you an encouragement to your children? Are you continuing to pray for your adult children? Are you setting an example for your grandchildren? God wants to raise up an army of encouragers. Paul was an encourager. You can be an encourager too. That's what his Bible says he did. Literally, it said here, he went to these churches in verse 13, and he continued to encourage them. And I want to encourage you that we take comfort in God's word. We take comfort in being able to come, even online, into worship here on Mother's Day. If you do not know Jesus, I'm about to close this in prayer. I want you to have an opportunity to respond to the good news. If you don't know Jesus, you can get saved here tonight. There's no better day. Your mother, if she's a believer, she would love to hear from her son or daughter who gave their life to Christ here on Mother's Day. Paul went and preached and taught and led and advanced the gospel. In every little town he's going to, he's teaching the good news and he's calling for a response. And I want to call for a response for you. I want you to bow your head wherever you're at. You pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I need encouragement. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. Forgive me. Restore my soul. Lord, I'm giving you my life. From this day on, on this Mother's Day, I'm yours. Lord, I want to live for you. I say this prayer, Jesus, because I know you hear me. Thank you for saving me. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much this evening for watching. I hope God continues to bless you. 
We will be here every Sunday night at 6 o'clock with these online worship services as we're in our quarantine season. I, I want to bless our mothers, continue to encourage them, continue reading Acts chapter 20, and we will see how God, how God uses the missionary Paul to continue going place to place, leading people to Jesus. Nothing is by accident. God is using this unique season for you to grow closer to him. Thank you for watching. If you've responded to this, if you prayed to receive Christ, I hope to hear from you. Send me a message on Facebook. Message our church Facebook page. We'd love to tell you the next steps to be able to follow Jesus. Send us an email. There's your, you want to take those steps in living and loving the Lord. Happy Mother's Day.